Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Germany in Focus, a podcast made possible by members of The Local. The big news is that the German parliament passed the citizenship reform. So we will get into all of that. We'll hear from two migration and integration experts in Germany and we'll answer a few questions that foreign residents have. But first, we'll talk about a new train strike lasting almost a week, which is underway right now in Germany. Plus, we'll get into how Germans have been taking a stand against the far-right Alternative for Germany, or AFD, after members of the party were revealed to have attended a meeting discussing the deportation of foreigners. I'm Rachel Loxon, and I'm in Berlin today with journalist Imogen Goodman and Aaron Burnett. Hello to you both. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. Yeah. Good. It's a, it's, it's a big week here, and we have indeed, uh, Imogen, survived the full U-Bonds to get here. Uh, yes. they were Yeah, they were packed a bit more than usual with that train strike on and the S-Bahn out. <laughs> so watch out for those. <laughs> I know. Yes. So shall we get into it then straight Definitely. away? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about. And as Arm was mentioning, there is misery for commuters and travelers this week, including ourselves, as the German Train Drivers Union has launched a new strike lasting several days. Drivers on passenger transport walked out around 2 a.m. on Wednesday and the strike is scheduled to last until Monday at 6 p.m. So I can imagine a lot of weekend plans are messed up. Imogen, we know that this causes huge disruption, but this is really a long time, isn't it? Yeah, this is definitely a major step up from anything we've seen before. Um, as we know, the last GDL or train drivers union strike lasted a full three days, which at the time felt pretty bad. But suddenly now we're seeing a strike that's twice as long and even longer than the last record-breaking rail strike, which lasted for five days way back in 2015. So we are seeing history being made oh here, my God. if that's any comfort to anyone. Um, <laughs> that's a great comfort. Historic <laughs> <Yes. laughs> indeed. A historic, record-breaking levels of, of disruption. And actually, there have been some estimates that with uh, Deutsche Bahn cargo and the passenger trains both out of action. This will be costing the economy somewhere in the region of 100 million euros per day. That's a lot of money. It's an insane amount of money. And I think just for Deutsche Bahn, they've said it'll be um, in the low tens of thousands per day. So this really is having a very big impact, not just for commuters. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if you are a commuter, you are going to have noticed that very few trains are running right now, that there have been a ton of cancellations on both long distance and regional trains. The train drivers union, so the GDL, tends to be especially active in eastern states and in the southwest. So these are probably the areas that are the hardest hit at the moment. If you're in a city with S-Bahn services, those are also run by Deutsche Bahn. So those will have stopped running or they will be running a very limited service. Luckily, though, Uber 
Autobahn services and bus services won't be affected. Um, they tend to be run by local transport companies. So hopefully people who don't have a car or bicycle will still have some options in their town or city. The other small piece of good news is that Deutsche Bahn is allowing travellers to refund tickets that are booked for this week or simply travel at a later date. So if you're not urgently trying to get somewhere, that could be the best option. Just wait this out and travel when it's all over. Um, otherwise, if your train does end up being delayed by more than an hour, you can get a refund for up to 50% of the ticket price. So definitely look into that um, if you do decide to travel and find yourself in the midst of all this disruption. Yeah, an absolute nightmare. I was speaking to a friend who was meant to come to Berlin from Osnabrück for a conference. And and obviously, they can't travel if they can't use the train service. And that conference isn't going to move, is it? Yeah, that's. I'm sure there are plenty of stories like that. People yeah. who are trying to get across the country. Um, and we've actually heard from uh, Lufthansa and other um, airlines that people are booking a lot of lot more do- domestic flights, just trying to get where they need to go. So it's having an environmental impact as well. So, yeah, this is causing huge problems. We have talked about this dispute between the union and Deutsche Bahn a few times. Are we any closer to a resolution? It really doesn't look like it right now. And I think the more that this drags on, the more that we see the GDL kind of escalating this dispute, the more both sides seem to dig their heels in and seem entrenched in their previous kind of negotiating positions. So as we've talked about before, the GDL are asking for a pretty hefty pay rise of at least €555 more per month, um, as well as a tax-free inflation bonus. But actually, the main sticking point is the length of the working week. Uh, So the train drivers want to reduce their working hours from 38 to, to 35 for the same amount of pay. They said they're willing to stagger this, but but basically they want to work less for the same or for more pay. Mm-hmm. Deutsche Bahn, on the other hand, has kind of repeatedly said that this is completely impossible, that there are too many labour shortages to make this workable. But they did recently pitch a one-hour reduction in working hours uh, that would come into force in 2026. So under their latest proposals, employees would get a 13% pay rise over three years and could choose to work a 37-hour week if they wanted to. However, if people didn't choose to take that offer, they would get an extra 2.7% pay. So that would be a little bit of a tricky decision, I think, for some people. Mm. And you're kind of incentivized to keep longer working hours. So I think on the face of it, this does look like a pretty sweet deal for the train drivers. A lot of people are, are wondering why, why they're not around the negotiating table. But the GDL have said they're completely unhappy with it for several reasons. One is this incentive to work the longer hours, the fact that people who work 38 hours would be paid more, which they say would kind of de facto mean that people who work less are getting paid less. They, they are very keen that it should be a shorter working week for the same pay. Mm-hmm. Their argument is also that cutting working hours would help solve the worker shortage since it would make the profession more attractive to young people. But Deutsche Bahn seems to disagree with this, as I say. So with neither of the parties currently willing to sit down and talk to one another, it really is hard, uh, hard to see a way out of the current mess. So unfortunately, we may see even more travel misery over the next weeks and months. Who knows when the dispute will come to an end. 
thanks so much for that, Imogen. Obviously, this is a very complicated dispute. If there are any developments in this story, we will include them in the show notes. Okay, let's move on. Since it was revealed that high-ranking members of the far-right Alternative for Germany, or AFD, were part of an extremist event where the mass deportation of foreigners and Germans with a migrant background was on the agenda. Many German residents have been taking a stand. Aaron, what's been going on? So in response to that meeting uh, of extremists, hundreds of thousands of people took to the streets this past weekend all over Germany, uh, some 250,000 in total, everywhere from here in Berlin to Munich and Frankfurt, but also in smaller cities like Erfurt or Kassel or Braunschweig, uh, and places like Dresden as well, um, which are in eastern Germany, where the AfD's uh, strongest base of support is. Three eastern states, Saxony, Brandenburg, and Thuringia, are going to the polls later this year in state elections, and the AfD is likely to come in first in those elections, making it very difficult to put together a ruling coalition in those particular states. Without it, President Frank-Walter Steinmeier said the protests gave us all courage, and Chancellor Olaf Scholz called them important for defending German democracy. Uh, supermarket chain, Edeka, uh, even put out an ad showing what their shelves would look like if they took out all the foreign products uh, and stocked only German ones. And as you might imagine, there were sh- a lot of shots in that video of very empty shelves of, uh, <laughs> you know, like stores basically being maybe... Uh, Maybe twenty percent full, or so, or or something like that. It's 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 quite the image to to see the amount of bare shelves uh, that they they showed off there in that particular video, and it made it made the point clearly. I think. Yeah, I very much enjoyed uh, seeing the look on the woman's face when they told her that there was no chocolate anymore. <laughs> That's when things got very very serious. She said, "No chocolate." <laughs> Was coming from Switzerland. Yes, perhaps. Yeah, and everywhere else. Yes. Yeah, yeah, many places, yeah. Yeah, we really have seen people taking a stand, which has been pretty amazing to see. And yeah, as you mentioned, also big corporations, which is really good. Have we seen any movement in the polls then? Is there any dent in support for the AFD? Uh, not so far. Uh, keep in mind, though, that the last uh, poll that was taken on this would have been um, as the demonstrations were happening on 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 Sunday. So mm-hmm. um, we don't know if people will kind of reflect on that a little bit more as time goes on. Uh, we'll have to see. There has been some shift in the last poll, but not really. Uh, AFD voter support na- nationally is still holding on to 20%. That's down about 2 or 3% from its high, uh, which it reached a few weeks ago. But in some eastern states, that 20% figure is is low. It's even higher there. Um, currently, AFD support is around 30% actually in Brandenburg and Mecklenburg, West Pomerania. And it's around 35% in both Thuringia and Saxony. Again, three of those states, Thuringia, Saxony, and Brandenburg, are voting in state elections uh, later this year in fall. Thanks a lot for that, Aaron. We'll really have to keep an eye on the polls to see how that develops over, over the coming weeks and, of course, the elections. And you should definitely check out our episode last week where we talked to political scientist Kai Artsheimer about the AFD and the, and the meetings. So if you're interested, you, you can listen a bit more on that. The biggest news of the week is that Germany's citizenship law has made it through the Bundestag. That's the German federal parliament. And we have a date for when it is expected to be approved in the Bundesrat, which represents the states. 
the three of us here in the booth, we all watched and listened to the speeches and witnessed the moment that German MPs voted in favor of the reform. Aaron, can you give us a bit of a flavor of what was happening and the reaction from foreign citizens? Well, I mean, they're one word, finally. And I think <laughs> I think that's one that, that, that certainly we would say, but also that's something that we heard from a lot of foreign uh, citizens who got in touch with us. It was a really exciting moment for everyone. We had a ton of reaction pour into us at the local over text, email, social media, uh, speaking with some of our own friends uh, who have been longtime residents of Germany, just waiting for this reform to pass so they could apply for German citizenship and not have to give up a piece of their identity, um, who they are, as symbolized by their original passport because dual citizenship would at last be allowed as a rule under German law and not an exception. Imogen, this applies to you too. You're going through the the, the citizenship process right now. So Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It really was quite a, a heart-pounding moment following that debate for all of us, seeing the results of the vote and then hearing what felt like a collective sigh of relief. Many foreigners we spoke to have waited years for this law. And then there were all of the delays that it ran into passing it. We were expecting that this might have um, been done a done deal last year already. I think people were on edge uh, thinking, I'll believe it when I see it. That is a phrase that I have heard from several people numerous times. And, you know, I think they were in pleasant shock when it finally did happen. We hear a lot of excitement from people who are, you know, we're excited to be EU citizens again in the case of some Brits, uh, regaining the rights that uh, Brexit took away from them, about voting, about taking part in the democratic process. People relieved that although they intend to keep living here, if their families ever get sick, they can go take care of them for a while without worrying about uh, their rights here. And, you know, even from people who are excited not to have to use the slow lane at the airport. I, yeah. I, I know someone, her, her husband and her kids uh, either all have German citizenship or are eligible for it um, through descent from victims of the Nazis. And so they are already allowed to have dual citizenship. She's been resident here for a number of years and is British only. And she basically, every time they go on a family vacation together, she's the only one who has to use the other lane. And now she's excited to <laughs> to yeah, not have to to use the same lane as the rest of the family. It's the little things, right? I mean, yeah. the, which are the big things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we even heard from Germans living in places like the US, UK, Australia, Canada, saying they could finally take up citizenship in those countries uh, where they've been living for a long time and remain German. I mean, the law works both ways. But there is also some trepidation. Imogen, I know you can probably relate. Uh, people are worried about the long wait times, years in places like Berlin and Munich. And this law does nothing to fix those. People are also expecting a deluge of applications. 50,000 are expected to be filed in short order just by members of the Turkish community, not counting anyone else. Um, To put that into context, around 169,000 people got German citizenship in 2023. So that's almost a third of the overall number of people who became citizens last year. It's a lot of applications coming in. Imogen, what did you think about the debate? Well, I really enjoyed it. I think it was cathartic, as Aaron was saying, uh, to see this finally happen after so long and actually quite moving, really, um, because it has been such a long road to get to this point. Mm -hmm. And one of the speeches that that did actually... uh, stand out to me quite a lot was um, Alexander Trom of the CDU. Um, so 
as we know, the CDU, the opposition conservatives are very opposed to this bill and any liberalisation of citizenship. And they were the main reason why it wasn't allowed in the first place, dual nationality. Um, So Trom kind of went through all the talking points that the Conservatives have been using to kind of bash these plans to allow dual nationality. Um, And I really felt that it might have been the the fact that they were frustrated to not be able to block the bill, but he really was saying uh, the the quiet part loud quite a bit. Um, And what do I mean by that? Well, he was talking a lot about the Turkish community and being quite open about the fact that one of the main reasons they don't want dual nationality to be allowed is that they don't want the Turkish diaspora in Germany to be able to vote. Uh, He accused Turkish uh, people in Germany of all being Erdogan supporters and said that they would import their own foreign issues into the country if they're allowed to vote. So really quite uh, quite hard line uh, there. What was quite interesting and, and again quite cathartic was uh, Dirk Visa from the SPD when he got up to speak he countered uh, Trom directly and said well, why don't you mention the French dual citizens who are voting for Marine Le Pen or the American dual nationals who are voting for Donald Trump it really is just that you guys do not trust the Turkish community so I also really like the speech by the Commissioner for Migration Reem Alibali Radovan who kind of brought up the looming threats of the AfD, the lurch to the right in German politics. And she basically argued that this was a sign, a a way of standing up for diversity, a way of standing up for democracy at a time when these things are directly under threat from these far-right anti-democratic parties and forces. A big part of the law is aimed at making it easier for residents who've lived in Germany for many years to naturalise. So let's hear from Zainab Janusz Mayan, who is head of the Migration Department of the German Centre for Integration and Migration Research. I asked Zainab how important this law change is. Well, I think it's it's very, very important. And I would go as far to say, which is something that I don't say that lightly, is a historic moment in German history when it comes to citizenship uh, legislation, but also in general, the citizenship regimes that we have in Germany. And I say that for several reasons. I mean, one being obviously the reduction of residence years that are required for, uh, for people to acquire citizenship right now. This used to be considerably high in Germany, and now it's been put down to pretty much by now becoming standard five years, which I think is is important. And obviously, you know, the thing that everyone talked quite a lot about that used to be very controversial, actually remains controversial nevertheless, is the uh, allowance of multiple citizenship, which I think is a very, very important move. And there again, I think Germany was lagging behind uh, literally for um, for a lot of, um, you know, sort of migration destination countries or immigration countries as they pronounce themselves right now as well. So I think these are the two, one of the two most important changes. And I think it will really make make a change for Germany. Do you think it will have a really big impact on people's lives then? Do you think that a lot of people who have lived in Germany for years and years will apply for it? What we know from research is that usually people tend to naturalize quickly after they become eligible. So if you've been here 20 years and never intended to do so, Usually that doesn't change, you know, so you don't like all of a sudden become more motivated. But I think the importance of the change, changes that are introduced now might actually trigger that kind of an effect because a lot of the biggest communities in Germany that we know of are people 
originating from Turkey. And we do know there as well that one of the reasons why quite a lot of these people did not uh, end up being naturalized was the ban on dual citizenship. And since that's changing, I think we might see something a little bit exceptional in that sense that people who have been here longer and did not naturalize might actually also go to the offices to do that. What do you think are the biggest problems then that foreigners will face when the law comes into force? Just like a lot of public policy changes and implementation, right? I mean, that is uh, already known. We already struggle with not having enough officers and public servants to process applications. And obviously, Germany, this is also something that is pretty much acknowledged, is not digitalized enough in its bureaucracies to be able to move to a more, you know, a system that would potentially require less maybe public servants, but we don't have that in place. I mean, some certain places there are progress that we know of, but that's going to be an issue. I mean, you already have um, you know, up to a year kind of waiting times. For applications to be processed, we can realistically expect the applications to go up once the law comes into place. So this is going to be a major bottleneck. Absolutely. Do you think this law change, Zainab, is enough to make people with a migrant background feel that they can be accepted more into German society and, and become German? Or do you think more needs to be done? Yes, I mean, more needs to be done, definitely. I, I do see effects of the law that can have a this sort of emotional um, component to it. One comes from my own research, so to say, to what I had observed with people in naturalization processes when they did not have to give up the sort of original citizenship. That kind of increased the value, or like not the increase, but like increase in the emotional attachment given to the status uh, because it came sort of additionally to require you to give up something that you felt like you were until then, but to become something more, which I think was very mm-hmm. much appreciated for in places where there was no ban, but in places where if you had a ban, then citizenship was kind of a little bit devalued because it was like, okay, I had to give up what I thought I was now. So this is just a piece of paper for me that I need. So I think that will have an effect in that sense. But what I also find really important in the law is the whole idea of recognition of previous generation of migrants or the so-called guest worker generations, right? I mean, we talk a lot about the negative parts of, you know, the so-called integration problems that people like to refer quite often, which, you know, I think I'm, I have my doubts on that relationship. But right now, this law actually made a very open recognition of what these people have sacrificed to build Germany. And I think that also has an impact in terms of the emotional aspect of it. Yet what it does not do and it cannot do is to force what's commonly called in Germany, this common school tour. I mean, we need to, when the migration debates right now, when you watch them, it is unfortunately, again, going in a direction where we're not always talking very positively about migration. And that has a bigger impact and the law change in that sense, in terms of people making people feel accepted and part of the society. And it would help if they're not being scapegoated for every little problem that we face in the society as the ones being responsible. You know. That was Zainab Janish Mayan from the German Center for Integration and Migration Research. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So we also found out this week when the law is going to the Bundesrat. That means we're going full speed ahead with it. Aaron, can we expect delays there? And can you update us on the timeline? So the Bundesrat must nominally agree to all laws the Bundestag passes, including this one. Uh, And we have confirmed that the Bundesrat will have this draft law allowing dual citizenship go before it on February 2nd. Uh, Groundhog Day, interestingly enough. Next week. Uh, yeah, let's let's hope no one sees a shadow and gets scared there. But um, a, a Bavaria, which is um, governed by a conservative coalition, including the CSU, the Bavarian sister party to the Christian Democrats, has said that it will vote against this draft law in the Bundesrat, which, of course, as you pointed out, Rachel, um, it, it represents the states. But parliamentarians working on this law, who we've spoken to, say there's two reasons why they expect this law to quite easily pass the Bundesrat. Firstly, the conservatives just don't have the necessary votes in the Bundesrat right now to block it, period. Um, however much Bavaria's interior minister might protest. So, I mean, the, the Bavaria's votes will go against, but it won't really, it won't be enough. Mm-hmm. Second, the law in question doesn't change the German constitution. It doesn't affect the finances of the federal states, and it doesn't appreciably affect their administration. This is the argument. If any of those things were true, it would need a more substantive agreement from uh, the Bundesrat rather than the consultation role that it really has in a law like this. But this is citizenship. It's a federal competence. So the Bundesrat Bundesrat can't really block it in any meaningful way the way that it can with other laws, uh, like Bogogeld, as we we saw um, some time ago. It can object, but even if it did, the Bundestag can overrule it. This is what we have been told. All that said, bottom line is, because the Bundesrat still has to formally agree to this law, at least, this is the biggest question hanging over us right now, being able to say exactly when this law is going to come into effect. Do we have any idea when this law can become official then? Yeah, well, right in the law, it says it takes effects three months after official certification. Uh, And that's really to give the civil service time to implement the new rules because they're going to need staff trainings. They're going to need new application forms. They're going to need new information resources and new listings on, on government websites, all of those sorts of things. Official certification of a new law in Germany is largely ceremonial. It's done by the president. In this case, uh, Frank Walter Steinmeier, he is a social democrat, the same party as Chancellor Olaf Scholz. But certification can only happen once the Bundestag and the Bundesrat, both of them, pass this law. So if the Bundesrat approves this on February 2nd, like we're expecting, the president is likely to certify it soon after. Count three months from the day that he does that. So if he does it right after the Bundesrat meets in February, we've got March, April, May. That's when we're probably going to see this finally become official, official. Okay, great. Thanks for that, Aaron. We are trying to poke around to see if we can find some answers on that when it might happen after the Bundesrat approves it. We will, of course, let you know when we do or whatever we find out. So the new law will allow people to hold multiple nationalities when naturalizing as German, and you'll be able to apply after five years of residence instead of eight years or even three years if you're well integrated and have excellent German skills. Imogen, are there any downsides or things that 
will make it harder to become German in future. Yes, unfortunately, uh, there are ways in which the law will be tightened up. So things will particularly become a fair bit harder for anyone who's not able to financially support themselves and their families without help from the state. So the details of this are a little bit complicated, uh, but generally the rule of thumb is that you shouldn't be claiming any kind of welfare benefits um, while you're applying for citizenship. And ideally, you also shouldn't have done so in the past. So if you're on Arbeitslosengeld uh, 1, so that's the um, sort of unemployment insurance, uh, you probably shouldn't have to worry um, because that's not really considered welfare payments. As I say, it's more insurance. However, we have heard from legal experts that this can be a bit of a grey zone where they may hold off on accepting your application until you then get back into employment. But it's not a black mark against your name, necessarily. On the other hand, uh, people who claim things like housing benefit or the longer term unemployment benefit, so that's Arbeitslosengeld 2 or Bürgergeld, do have a reason to worry, uh, since this could technically bar them from naturalisation. There's been some criticism of the law on this point because uh, there were worries that people can sometimes rely on welfare through no fault of their own. For instance, if you're a single parent, you've got young kids, you can only work part-time and you need just a bit of extra support. So in that case, someone in that situation may have a hard time naturalising. So as a general rule to remember... You basically should have been gamefully employed and supporting yourself without help from the state for at least 20 months out of the last 24 at the time when you apply. So that's something to remember and keep in mind when the new law comes into force. One thing we should add here, though, is that uh, Kindergeld, so child allowance that you get if you have children in Germany, is not considered welfare for the purposes of this law. So uh, if you are getting child benefit because you have kids in Germany, you're still fine. It's unemployment and housing benefits that Imogen was mentioning are the ones that are really targeted there by those provisions. Thanks, guys. Let's hear now from Muna Nadaf, who is coordinating a project to help educate communities on the new citizenship law at the German Federal and Integration Council, or BZM. Although the council says the changes in the law are a positive step forward, they say there are barriers for many people. Unfortunately, the new law made the barrier for people with less salary or people who need the financial aid of the states higher than before. Migrants face structural racism, for example, in work life and in education during their life in Germany. The requirements are very ambivalent to have a successful job career. So we have to think these groups of people who are in difficult financial situations, like single parents or persons who care for relatives. Their situation will, for example, not change as soon or very easily. So they cannot apply for citizenship even if they are living for a long time in Germany because of the low income. Um, The income is a main point in the new law. We remark here a connection between citizenship and economic issues, and it takes away the chance for them to be part of the electing society. That contradicts our understanding of democracy. We heard a lot in the debate on Friday from government MPs in particular that Germany is a country of immigration and diversity. But at the same time, we're seeing a lot of hostility against foreigners in Germany at the moment. 
Do you think that this is a problem being tackled by the government or Germany in general? So right now we can see a broad coalition of civil society and politicians on the streets taking a clear stand against racism and fascism. These protests are very important and encouraging, but they are not sufficient. And the government must go beyond symbolic politics to fight racist and anti-democratic ideologies. We need a clear and meaningful measures to make clear that we have been and are and continue to be an immigration society. Um, the new law of citizenship is very important in this manner, as it makes the participation of migrants in Germany uh, higher. Um, and however, as we said before, the new law has also many pitfalls, and the voices and claims of migrant organizations are those who are affected by the reform, um, have not been heard sufficiently uh, by the government. So the answer is yes and no. There is still a long way to go in Germany. We're going to get down to a few citizenship questions now. And by the way, we have been asking you, our listeners, to submit questions about life in Germany in general, whether it's food, culture, or residency permits for a future episode. I will include the survey in our show notes so you can feel free to ask a question there. Last week, I'm so sorry, I forgot to put it in the show notes. I did remember a few days later and stuck it in. So please help me remember <laughs> this week, guys. Um, I, I will remember, I promise. Uh, but there have already been a few questions there, including on citizenship. So thank you all for getting in touch. So let's start with this one from a local reader who lives in Rhineland Palatinate. The question is, what kind of documents do I need to apply for citizenship when I live here with a spouse and children? So this is a good question. Let's start with the documents you need in general for citizenship. Aaron, you wrote about this recently. Yeah. So before we get into the specifics, everyone is going to need these things that I'm about to tell you right now. So first up, uh, documents proving your residency period, your your Anmeldung, your residence permits, records of that, uh, tenancy agreements could be relevant. Uh, basically, things showing that you've been here legally for at least five years under the new law. Uh, next, proof of your German skills. Most commonly, this will be in the form of your results for an accredited language test of at least B1 level. Uh, and you can take a test like that uh, at a Volkshochschule or at a language school. If you have C1, you might be able to naturalize after three years rather than five. So congratulations to you. Now, third, the results of your German citizenship test. Again, you need 17 out of 33 to pass. You should check out Imogen's article on her experience with her own test and tips to, to, to keep in mind with you do that. And also, we have a mock test of questions that you can try out. Uh, the only exception to needing language or citizenship test results are for people over 67 who can communicate orally in German with the authorities. Four, documents proving you can support yourself, pay slips, tax returns, possibly the land registry document uh, if you own your own place. You will need to have not claimed long-term unemployment benefits, so Bürgergeld, for at least 20 months out of the previous two years, for example. Five, 
be free of serious criminal convictions, particularly those for hate crimes. We do have an article in the show notes about what exactly a serious criminal conviction is and what kind of prison sentence is going to uh, bar you from naturalization and how long. Check that out if that's something you need to know. Finally, you're going to need identification, a passport photo to pay the 255 euro fee, all of those kinds of things, and certified copies and even translations potentially of your birth certificate. Okay. And what do people need to know if they're thinking about their spouse and children? And just to add on, we also had a question asking if spouses were still able to apply after three years of citizenship and what are the language requirements for that? What would you say to the spouse and children side of things, Imogen? Yeah, this is a great question because I know it's a kind of case study that we have haven't really been focusing on lately when we're talking about the citizenship law. So for this quite lucky group, uh, naturalization is possible still after just three years in Germany, provided that they've been married to their partner for at least two of these years. So resident for three, married for at least two. Given that this is already quite a short period of time, and in fact, just as short as the shortest path to uh, citizenship under the new law for people who are very, very well integrated. The government hasn't decided to make any significant changes here. As usual, people who want to naturalise will have to demonstrate they speak at least B1 German, um, unless, as Aaron says, they are over the age of 67. And one thing that is changing slightly is the case of children born in Germany to foreign parents. Here's where things are going to change just a little bit. Uh, so if both parents are foreign, the child will automatically get German citizenship after their parents have been in the country for five years. Um, currently it's eight, but that's going to get shortened uh, when the new law comes in. If one parent is German, however, this is, isn't really relevant because they'll have the right to citizenship anyway, no matter how long their parents have been in the country or lived elsewhere. So this is worth keeping in mind as well if you do have kids, what their rights are. Yeah, well, spouses or kids as well. We mentioned notarized um, translated copies of your birth certificate. So that will apply also to your marriage certificate and your uh, children's uh, birth certificates uh, as well if they're going in with you. And the fee for uh, additional dependent children is an extra 51 euros on top of that 255 euro fee that we were talking about already. Good stuff. So plenty of things to get sorted if you're in this position. Next question a lot of people have asked, when should I apply for citizenship? Aaron, what do you think? Ooh, well, this is a decision that everyone needs to make for themselves for a number of different reasons, I would say. Um, again, as we've said, we expect this law will come into effect in May, as the Bundesrat will probably pass it on February 2nd as planned. But the three-month countdown can't start until the Bundesrat does pass it and the president certifies it. As we've said, if you live in a place where citizenship applications tend to be processed quickly, you might want to wait. But if you live in a place like Munich or Berlin, where citizenship applications take forever, you might want to think about starting the process now because by the time your application gets far enough along that you normally need to be prepared to renounce your other citizenship, the new rules will probably already be in place and you won't have to as it is indeed the law that's in effect when you actually naturalize that's important here, not the one that was on the books when you started your application. Of course, if you've been here for more than five years but less than the eight that are currently required under the existing 
existing law, you're going to have to wait until the mm. new law um, does come in, which officially shortens the wait to five years. If you need to wait or you decide to wait, though, uh, nothing is stopping you from getting your documents ready to send in on day one. So book your language and citizenship tests, get those birth and marriage certificates certified. No harm comes from being ready for when the day comes, whatever you decide to do. Great advice. That applies to me, actually, because I don't hit that eight years, but no. I will be able to <laughs> win the, the five year. Yeah. I'm, I'm seven years. Seven years this week. Oh, wow. Um, I suppose. And I think, yeah, if you've done, yeah, if you speak slightly better German, if you can get B2, then you can apply after six. But I do have to say this is really good advice because it does take a while to gather all that stuff together, find, you know, translators, yeah. book those find, tests. Find your birth certificate. Yeah, find, I know. My parents were like, what a birth, birth certificate? <laughs> <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't worry about that in the 1980s. No, no, they <laughs> Just didn't. Threw it away. <laughs> well, I, I spoke to uh, someone who basically I think had a five-month wait where she was in Eastern Germany for her citizenship test, mm. like to take mm. her citizenship test. And then she proceeded to wait a number of weeks to get her results. Mm. So it's it, it's never too early, even if you don't quite hit the threshold yet. Definitely. Really good advice. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much to you, all our listeners. As always, we will add some links in the show notes for the stories we've been talking about. It would really mean a lot to us if you hit follow, left a rating or a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, especially if you liked what you heard. This week's panelists have been Aaron Burnett and Imogen Goodman. Our guests were Zainab Yanish Mayan and Muna Nadaf. And our sound engineer is Reese Edwards. I'm Rachel Loxton. We hope you enjoyed listening and we'll be back next week. Until then, take care. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.